before we get into the word today, we have an announcement from Nick. Nick, where you at? Oops. So. I know. This is what happens when I try and sing when I'm sick. Is Nick not here? Bad boy. He's where? I go. <laughs> is he not here? Okay. Well, when he comes up, I did want to say um, thank you to Josh. Where's Josh? Where you at, bro? Wow, nobody's here. I go chum. All right, Nick, come up and share. Uh, hi, guys. Um, hey, so uh, Cerritos High School and a bunch of other high schools, they're doing a joint praise night at the source. And that's happening, uh, I think it's in like April? April 13th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thanks, Chloe. And so um, we support Cerritos High School, right? We, we lead a team um, of college students into Cerritos High School, and we just want to help them out in fundraising. Because for high school students, $200 is a lot, right? But legit, if everyone in this room gave $2, I think we would be good, right? And so we're doing a fundraiser. Our sister Chloe made a whole bunch of cookies. But more than cookies, what you're investing is in is you're investing in souls, right? You're, you're investing in people potentially becoming saved at this event. The reason why they have it out is because they want people to just stumble upon the event and hear the word of God and hopefully uh, give their life to Jesus. And so this is a really awesome event. Um, downstairs during overflow, you can go and buy cookies. Um, you can just donate if you don't want a cookie. Maybe you're fasting. You just want to donate to, to this cause. Um, we're totally open for that. And so, yeah, during overflow, we'll be selling cookies. But it's really just for donations so that we can see this thing through. Our aim is $200. And so we would love your support and your help. And I'm sure that the high school students in our region would really love that as well. And so, yeah, thank you. All right. Don't worry. I'm not going to share it today. We actually... Have a wonderful guest speaker. <laughs> All right, you guys know who he is. Um, Pastor Will's with us today from the meeting place. If you don't know him, um, he was he was our youth pastor here for how many years were you here? Three years. He was here for three years, um, and he's really become such an amazing friend of mine. I'm so thankful for him. I'm so thankful for everything that God is doing through TMP, and um, would you guys give me um, a hand in welcoming up Pastor Will? This feels weird. Wow. This feels real weird, bro. He said three years, like it was really long. Um, Wow, this feels strange. This music stand feels even stranger. Um, yeah, my name is Will. Uh, if you don't know me, my wife and I used to be, as Dennis said, uh, we started as a junior. Wow, this is so weird. It's because some of you guys were my junior high students when I was a junior high pastor. Um, Sarah was probably the most annoying student I've ever had in my life. Uh, but anyways, I used to be the junior high pastor here, and then I became the high school and junior high pastor together when we were doing In This Room. So this Jesus Save sign, I remember when we put it up there, 
Leviticus forever, you know. And there used to be like verses here, but you guys covered that up. I think that's a good idea. So it was a little, it's a little like, uh, not immature, but it's a little, uh, what would be the right word? Uh, not cool, all right, whatever, right? So, um, and we were here for three years, and um, like Dennis shared, Dennis and I have become such good friends. You know, as, as a guy, you, you like people, you enjoy people's company, but it's really hard to respect people, if, that, if you know what I mean as brothers. I respect your pastor. Um, that's the word I use, not for everybody, but as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend, as a co-laborer. Like, the word I think of is, man, I respect this guy. And I just want to let you guys know, like, you guys have the best college pastor that I could even think of in all of Southern California. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Maybe even, maybe even across the nation, but I haven't been to the nations. But in this area, I've been around, and you guys are blessed with an amazing, amazing pastor. So it's really an honor for me to be here, man. Even looking at Caleb right here, when I first became a youth pastor, he was not walking with the Lord. Like, he was so far from God. And I actually remember my first Sunday, I said, Lord, give me his soul. Like, I remember praying that specific prayer, like, Lord, give me his soul, because I think if he wins, if he's won over to you, we could get the whole youth group. And looking at him now, he looks like he's been fasting for like 80 days or something. Like, <laughs> he's never gained his weight back from Mexico. And man, you know, Ted got stitches when I was his youth pastor, because one of the teachers kicked him in the face when they were wrestling. And yeah, he got stitches. And his mom came up to me and gave me this death stare. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You know, so even seeing some of you guys in this room, it's really an honor. And a joy. Um, God is really moving in this room and in your lives. I, I just stopped by, I'm just going to talk, okay, and see where this goes. I just stopped by Life Point before I came here, and I walked into that sanctuary, and I just felt like, wow, like God is really moving. Like sometimes you need a visitor to tell you guys how blessed you are because you don't realize how blessed you are, you know what I mean? And even at Life Point, I went into the sanctuary. I got to meet, I got to say hi to Pastor Ed, some of the other pastors there and leaders there, and having been a former pastor here, just seeing the climate and the atmosphere and even, like, the spiritual temperature of this church right now, like, you guys are really blessed. And I feel like a God is really going to commission you guys, not just for this church, but for even many churches and many people in this region. And I feel like BTM specifically is going to bless so many ministries not just Christians, but even people who are not wa walking with the Lord and non-believers and non-Christians. I feel like you guys literally are missionaries here. And this is not a Sunday huddle, but I almost feel like you guys come here to receive a play from a quarterback to go out and to execute that play. And I feel like the Lord is really pleased with that. You know, most people come to church to just eat and get fat and leave. But I feel like BTM, you guys come to church to get plays from the Lord. And God begins to speak to you guys during worship. God begins to speak to you guys during prayer meetings. And God is actually commissioning you guys to do things. Even like, I'm just going to talk. Even as Peter was sharing up here, talking about, homeless, talking about homeless ministry, like it was like a revival, you know. It was like, we got to waste $1,200, you know. And like, you know, when you first start doing, you know, when I was in college, I used to go to, um, the Man, we used to call it the Mandurang Plaza. When I was in college, it's on Beach in Malvern. And I used to go there every Tuesday and Thursday as a freshman and sophomore in college just to find homeless people, to buy them meals. I remember one time I bought this dude glasses. And you don't know what you're doing at first, but God is so pleased with that. You know what I mean? God is so delighted in that. And as you serve, as you do things, you don't know what you're doing. But in doing that, you discover what you're supposed to do. 
So all the things you guys are doing on the campuses, the things you guys are doing on the high school campuses, the things you guys are trying to do on the mission field or even at work, God is pleased with that. And God is so delighted that you guys are actually doing something with your faith. Amen? And I just really felt that so strongly uh, during our time of worship. Um, I have a word for you guys. Um, Dennis and I were talking, and I was just sharing with him. God's been really speaking to me about, you know, worship. And I've always loved worship. Not that I could sing well. Not that I could play any music, any musical instruments well. But I've always loved worship. I've always enjoyed worship. I've always experienced God in worship. But before I was a Christian, when I used to just go to church, because that was kind of the thing I did when I moved to the States, I used to hate worship. I didn't grow up in church. So when I was 15, I left Korea, moved to the States when I was 16. And I started going to church for the first time in my life when I was 16. And worship was such an awkward experience for a non-Christian. Because everyone looks depressed. <laughs> the people on stage look like they're not having a good time. And, like, everyone in the audience can't really sing, but a few people sing. So I remember when I used to go to church, worship was a very awkward experience for me. It felt like you just have to endure this. People would lift their hands, and people were singing off key. And on top of that, I cannot sing well. So I remember when I used to get to church, I would actually stay in my car, my, my mom's car, until worship was over. And I would go in for the service, because at least during the sermon, I could at least understand generally what the speaker was trying to say. So I used to hate worship. It was a waste of time. And plus, I only used to like rap music. I never liked R&B or any of those things. So I, I took pride in, like, liking rap, right? And then I got saved, as in, like, February 16, 2006, February 18, 2006. I got saved in that I experienced Jesus for the first time. I really, really experienced the depth of my sins and the depth of his love. And the next day, worship became my favorite thing. It was like the weirdest thing. It's like a transformation took place in my spirit where I experienced God most deeply in times of worship and praise. It was so radical that the next week, I woke my mom up early and said, we got to go to church because I don't want to miss worship. And she thought I got brainwashed. She was so confused at what happened to me. And this is how much I loved worship. We used to get into the parking lot, and I used to run into the sanctuary. And people always thought I was running to take a crap or I was running because I had to pee. But they had no I was literally running. And I used to run into the sanctuary so I made sure I didn't miss a second of praise. And that's still, I mean, obviously it's not as pure like I wish it is. But that spirit is still kind of in my heart where when worship is real and genuine, it's just a place I want to be in. And recently I've been studying worship. Not just enjoying worship and not just experiencing it. But for the first time in my life, I've actually been studying worshipers like David and Jehoshaphat. And I've been studying Revelations 4, 5, and 6 and how God actually designed worship to function, right? If you get a phone, you want to read the manual. I know we're all intuitive, but can you imagine if this phone went to, like, our grandparents? They'd be like, how do you use this? You know, you've got to use a manual, right? God has actually given us a manual of how he has designed and created worship to function. And I don't know it perfectly, but I've been diving into it a little bit. And that's what I want to share with you guys today about heavenly worship. Is that okay? Yeah, is that all right? Uh, I'm going to read actually from Revelations. If you guys have Revelations, turn to Revelations chapter 4 and 5. And there's no other place to learn about worship than actually from worship that is happening right now in heaven. 
okay? Not worship that's happening at Elevation Church, not worship that's happening at Hillsong, but worship that's happening right now in God's throne, okay? Just a few, a little bit of background. Revelation was written by Apostle John. He was one of the youngest, not one of, he was the youngest disciple among the 12 original disciples. That's my baby, by the way. I've had a baby since we left this church. Uh, Scholars say that John was anywhere from probably like 15 to 17 when he was following Jesus. And all 12 apostles were murdered for their faith. Like historically documented, every single disciple that followed Jesus was murdered except John. John is the only one that actually did not get murdered. And this is about 30 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And John is in a place called Patmos. Everyone say Patmos. Look at your neighbor and say Patmos. Right? Patmos was a place where criminals were banished. Right? They were banished whenever the Roman Empire found criminals. They sent prisoners to an island called Patmos. And prisoners would live there together. They'll do work there and labor there. But the entire island was dedicated for prisoners, and John, as a prisoner there, has a vision of the throne room of heaven. He first has a vision of Jesus telling him about the condition of the seven churches during that time in Rome and in the Middle East. And then in Revelation 4, he says he sees a door open in heaven, and he actually has inside access to what worship looks like in heaven. How many of you guys are worship leaders here? Raise your hand real quick if you lead worship in any capacity. Raise your hand. Hi, 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 hi. Right? I'm sure some of you guys want to go to Bethel and have inside access to how Bethel leads worship. One of my leaders, Julia, is like, I want to go to Upper Room and I want to learn how Upper Room does worship. Right? But we actually have inside access to what worship looks like in the throne of God. Come on, somebody. Amen? And this is what I've learned. There's five observations that I have about heavenly worship that is taking place right now. The first thing, it sounds very simple, but it was profound for me. Worship in heaven, around the throne, there's four living creatures that God created. And there's 24 elders around those four creatures, around the throne of God. Follow me, okay? These four living creatures, we're not sure what it is, but they're pretty much angels, right? On this earth, we have pets. We have dogs. We have cats. There's weird animals like lions and giraffes. In heaven, God has what... They're not pets, but they're angels, right? They look strange. One has a face like a lion. One has a face like an ox. One has a face like a man, right? One has a face like an eagle. And when we get to heaven, there's going to be these weird creatures, right? It says they have six wings. Six wings with eyes all over them. Strange, right? Right, but look at a centipede. A centipede just as strange, right? Legs all over them. Anyways, right, there's six wings with eyes all over them. And they're surrounding the throne of God, singing day and night, 24-7. And then around the four living creatures, the Bible says there's 24 elders. Not Elder Richie, okay? 24 elders. And scholars debate, what are these elders? But most scholars think they're the 12 sons of Israel and the 12 original apostles. But not Judas, okay? But Matthias. So the 12 sons of Israel and the 12 apostles are close to the throne just singing to him and worshiping him and praising him. Let me read this to you guys in Revelation 4, verse 4. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and seated on the throne were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. They're literally wearing like 
crowns that you would see like in a Marvel movie, right? Like kings, right? And if you skip down to verse 6b, around the throne, on each side of the throne are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. And the first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox, the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night, everyone say day and night. Day and night, they never cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. This is happening right now, y'all. Like right now, they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is to come. In verse 9, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, after four living creatures do that, and the 24 elders like echo it back to them. The 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you our Lord and God. To receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things. And by your will they existed and they were created. If you look at verse 4 one more time, it says, around the throne were 24 thrones. This is the first thing I've observed as I look at heavenly worship. In the heavens right now, the creatures that are closest to God in proximity are those who worship him 24-7. In proximity, like in time and space, right, in heaven on the throne that God sits, the thing that God has architected and designed in heaven, closest to him in proximity, is Josh, right? It's worshipers praising him, not only in proximity, but also is 24-7. Let me ask you a question. Why would God make creatures worshiping him 24-7 closest to him in heaven. I'll tell you why. Because there's nothing more that God loves than worship. The simple fact that God created creatures for the sole purpose to worship him. And not only worship him, they're not in the back row, they're not in the stadium rows, in the front row right next to him, day and night, the reason why he created worshipers, creatures, is because that's how much he loves worship. Come on, somebody. That's how much he loves it when creatures praise him and sing to him and adore him because that's the one thing that he is worthy of above all things. Think about it right now. What you love the most, you want closest to you. And what you want the most, you want to spend the most time with. Some of you want to play video games all day, every day. It's because you love video games. Come on now. Some of you guys want to spend time with your girlfriend or boyfriend all day, every day because you love your boyfriend and girlfriend. You know, when I first started dating my wife, I was so in love with her. Don't do this. I lived here. She went to UC Davis. I drove to UC Davis four times in one month. I know. Say his girls, but we got married. I got a ring on it. Come on now. It was like my flesh longed for her. My soul longed for her. Not in a sexual way. Come on, somebody. I just wanted to be with her. 
this is how bad I wanted to be with her. One time I was driving to the gym. I was going to 24 gym, right? And instead of going to the gym, I just went on the 5. I was like, why am I on the 5 north right now? Why am I still driving? And literally I drove 5 hours. I had dinner with her and drove back down 5 hours. Now, I know that sounds like, oh, maybe it's a little crazy, right? But I remember I showed up. She said, what are you doing here? I said, I just wanted to be with you. <laughs> Took her out to dinner. And as I was driving back, I was literally like, I'm never going to do this again. So I was literally falling asleep. A week later, I did it again. And when we first started dating, I literally drove four times every weekend. I'm talking about like, I just came back, came back came back. And then the first time we drove down together, this might sound gross, okay, but I'm giving you a picture. We held hands the entire ride. Oh, come on, somebody. You know you want that type of love. Come on now. Literally, I, I'll never forget this. The first time we ever drove down, because she was, I think, on spring break. I forget. She was on one of those breaks. I drove there. I picked her up. And we drove down, and I was holding her hand the entire time, even though her hands were sweating. Come on, somebody. That's how nervous she was. Why? Because when you love someone, you want to spend time with them, and you want to be close to them. And what God does is of all the things that he loves, he loves us serving. He loves us doing missions. He loves us going to work as our calling. He loves us to study at school. But more than all of that, what he loves from us the most is actually our worship and praise. Now, why is this practical? When you know someone, when you know what someone you love loves, you can do that wholeheartedly. When you know who you, what someone, when you know who you love, what they love, well, how do I say this? When you know what the person you love loves, you can do that wholeheartedly expecting them to be happy by what you do. Please follow me here. What do I mean by this? When you, love, when you know that God loves worship, you can do it with your whole heart. When you know that he enjoys it when you sing to him and praise him, when you do it, you do it knowing that he loves it. Some people don't know that God loves worship. Some people don't know that God actually enjoys it when you sing to him. But in reality, God loves it. Right? No, give me another example. I'm talking about my wife because I'm talking about intimacy here. When we first got married, I didn't know my wife loved it when I did the dishes. I didn't know if she liked it that much. One day she went to school because she was getting a PhD student. And I did all the dishes and I cleaned the whole house. She comes into the house. I didn't think she was going to do anything. You know what she starts doing? She starts crying. It wasn't roses. It wasn't a Tiffany necklace. It was clean dishes. Come on, somebody. I literally cleaned the dishes, and I cleaned the house, and she walked in. She was like, thank you so much. She started crying. I was like, what are you, what are you crying about? She's like, I was just stressed out. I had a long day. I didn't want to come home and do dishes. Yo, after that, I did dishes every single day. No, no, no I'm not trying to. It's because I was like, I didn't know that. I clean dishes with the freaking passion. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about like, no, really, I didn't know when you fall in love, what it, I, was, I just clean, clean, clean. And every time she came home, I just did it. Why? Because I was fully confident when I did this, it would make her happy. 
See, some of you don't know your future. You don't know what you're supposed to major in. You don't know what you're supposed to do after grad school. But you can know one thing. You're called to worship. You can know without a shadow of a doubt when Kevin is up here leading worship and you're singing to God, that is the perfect will of God for you. That is his deepest desire for you at that moment. How do I know this? He creates these creatures to praise him and worship him day and night. Let me say one more thing about this. Ah, no, I'll get back to this. That's point, that's point four. Okay, sorry. Number two. In heaven, those who worship God cast their crowns at his feet. Revelation 4, verse 10 and 11. 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever. Hear this part. They cast their crowns. Everyone say crowns. Before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to give glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. What are these crowns? You know, how can you give God honor and power when he's already worthy of it? He is already worthy of honor and power. It's one thing to say, I give you thanks. Right? God, I give you thanks for the things you've done. What does it mean, I give you glory? I give you honor. In the, later in Revelation 5, it says they give him power. You know what that means? You know, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 11, it says that every human being, has been made in the image and glory of God. So we have imparted onto us in our DNA a certain level of glory. That's why there's human rights. That's why there's human dignity. There's a certain amount of glory that has been deposited onto us. But when worship happens, you're giving back to God the inherited value and honor that you have. And you're telling God, everything I have it belongs to you. What I've learned about worship, worship takes place when you take off the things that you think that makes you special and you put it on the feet of Christ. What this shows is that real worship is humble and it has nothing to boast on. And real worship is costly. Real worship says everything I value, everything I've ever earned, I take it off my head and lay it at your feet. My highest place of authority is under your lowest place of authority, your feet. And what these 24 elders are doing is saying, here's my diploma. It's at your feet. Here's my future. It's, it's at your feet. Here's my prestige and my job. It's at your feet. Here's my ministry. It's, it's at your feet. There's nothing that I own that is mine. When it comes to the place of worship, I put it all down at your feet. You know, the way we experience God in worship is when we have a blank check during praise. When we say, you write whatever you want in my life. You, you say whatever you want. That, that is the posture of heavenly worship. I cast all my crowns at the feet of Christ. That's worship. 
You know, in Genesis chapter 22, that's the first time the word worship is ever used. The first time the word worship is ever used is Genesis 22. You know what happens there? That's when Abraham takes Isaac and he tells his servants, stay here. Me and the boy are going to go worship the Lord. First time it's ever used. But what's the context? I'm about to give God my most precious possession. I'm about to give God the only thing that I can hold on to for my future inheritance, for the promises in my life. And the time he uses the word worship is when I'm about to give God my own child. So when true worship happens is when you're willing to say everything I am and everything I have is at your feet. My name, my reputation, my brand, everything, my Instagram followers, my likes, my grades, none of that. All of that, says Paul, is rubbish comparing to knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And number three, heavenly worship is entirely focused on God and not on anyone or anything else. Heavenly worship is entirely focused on God and not on anyone or anything else. Revelation 4, 8 through 11 again. And four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. They're not talking about Bethel here. They're not talking about upper room here. They're not talking about elevation here. They're not talking about how good the musical sounds were. They're talking strictly about God and to God. Nine, and whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne. And worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things and by your will they existed and they were created. Do you see their focus? Imagine it was like a play. You know the play has stage lights, right? That stage light is on God and God alone. They're not talking about anyone else. They're not even talking about themselves. They're talking to and they're talking about God and God alone. I realize true worship takes place when we're singing to him and him alone. Is that we're not thinking about anything else, not the music, not the keys, even though those are important, not the stumble people, not who's leading worship. Here's the part, not even about yourself. You know that one of the things that quenches worship more than anything is yourself. You know, when I was a youth pastor, one time we were in service, or before service, I saw one of my youth kids, like, really discouraged. Like, really discouraged. I could tell he just wasn't having it. You know, high school kids, they're going through puberty, too, so they just kind of make everyone know they're, like, upset. So I went up to him one Sunday, and I was like, hey, is everything all right? I was like, are you okay? Like, you look so down. He's like, oh, I don't want to worship today. I was like, oh, okay, like, like, I was asking, like, what's wrong? Why don't you want to worship? And he was like, I don't get anything out of worship. That's a legitimate, like, response. But I got this holy anger in me. I looked at him. I said, worship's not about you. <laughs> like, 
I just, I don't know what happened. Like, he was literally like, I don't want to worship today. I said, I don't get anything. <coughs> Excuse me. He's like, I don't want to worship. <coughs> what happened just now? My throat just like, <coughs> Dennis, I got that from you, bro. He was literally like, I don't want to worship today because I don't get anything out of worship. And I just looked at him. I sat him down. I said, that is your problem. <laughs> I was like, there lies your problem. You think worship is about you. <laughs> it's about God. And he looked at me. He was like, oh. I think he felt like super rebuked. I was like, Next time, when we start right now, don't think about yourself. Don't think about what you did do. Don't even think about what you did not do. Just think about what God has done. And he looks at me. He's like, oh, okay, Pastor Will. And during that worship, he said, I looked during service. He was like, oh, And I was like, that's, that's, that just makes perfect sense to me now that I look at it. If you look at heaven right now, no one is singing about themselves. No one in heaven, heavenly worship, is even asking for anything. They're actually just pouring out to him and giving to him and singing to him and adoring him and lifting him up. You know, I don't want to be too critical, but even like when we started TMP, my worship leader, she would, a lot of times she would sing songs about like us. She would like, oh, set a fire down in my soul that I can't control. Oh, that's good to like get you excited, but you know, that's not worship. That's what I said to her, you know. I was like, you know, that's not worship. That's me. Me, you know. And I was like, oh, fan of flame in my heart. I was like, okay, that's, that, that gets you excited. But worship is like, there is no rival. Worship is like, worthy is a lamb who was slain. Worship is like, great is the Lord who is worthy of praise. Worship is like, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I told her, next time we have a set, let's try not to sing a single song about us. She just couldn't do it. <laughs> because worship has become so man-centered, and we think God exists to serve us. But heavenly worship, we exist to sing to him. We exist to praise and worship him. And when you posture your heart that way, every time you come in to, to praise and worship him, God will meet you. God will speak to you. And here's my last point. The focus of worship in Revelation 4 and 5, but especially Revelation earlier 4, is all about God the Father on the throne. God the Father. Right? God the Father is being praised. They don't describe what he looks like, but they talk about these gems and emeralds and uh, the radiance that he has. But in Revelation 5, it shifts. And they start talking about the lamb that was worthy to be slain. Let me just read this to you guys. Um, uh, where should I read? Okay, let's look for verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 5. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. So that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain, 
with seven horns and seven eyes. Right? John is seeing a vision. It's like he's looking into the future. So he's trying to describe things. He's looking into heaven, I mean. He's trying to describe things. And scholars say the seven horns talk about strength. The seven eyes is about God's omnipresence. And the seven spirits is the seven churches of the Holy Spirit. Anyways, and the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went out and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Who is this lamb? Say that again. One more time. Say that again. Well, that's my favorite word ever. Say that again. <laughs> Chris, one more time. Say that again. It doesn't say God. It says Jesus. Our God has a name. Our God came to earth. He actually walked on this earth. He actually sweat. He got tired. He was beat. He actually wore a crown of thorns, and he was actually crucified. And he took the th and he and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayer of the saints. And they sang. A new song, right? This is a song now. Revelation 4, they were just saying things, but now they're actually singing to this lamb. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood. Sometimes we forget that Jesus died for us. For you were slain. And by your blood, and you ransomed people for God. From every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they shall reign on the earth. Verse 11. Then I looked and heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands and thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. In verse 13, and we're going to end it. And I heard every living creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, Blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. That's my last point, my fourth point. In heaven, they're not just worshipping God. They're worshipping Jesus. You know, um, I don't want to sound offensive, but I'm just speak truth. Another thing I told my worship leader when we're leading worship and she would always sing songs, and good songs, very great songs. But I always told her, like, I need you to sing a song about Jesus. I said, I don't want to have a service where a Muslim could come and they feel blessed and no offense. Like, there has to be a line drawn in the sand. Because, you know, Muslims could hear good sermons, Buddhists could hear good sermons, humanists could hear good sermons. But the moment you say, Jesus... The moment you say you're a sinner going to hell, 
And he died for you to forgive you and took your place and ransomed you and purchased you. That's when there is a distinction. Because everyone says, I love God, I worship God. But the Christian says, I worship Jesus. The Christian says, I worship a God who came and died for me to save me because he loves me. Because I could not save myself. Heavenly worship is Jesus' worship. So I told my praise leader, like, I need you to sing a song that will offend everybody but Christians. <laughs> Every set, at least one song that everyone will leave offended if they're not a Christian. Why? Because that's true worship. Singing about Jesus and to Jesus. I never experienced worship, even though I went to worship services, until I experienced Jesus. I sang I clapped my hands, but it wasn't until I realized that I was a sinner and that he was the lamb that was slain, the lamb that ransomed my life, that then I was able to really experience praise and worship. Um, I'm going to close with this, Becca, praise team. We started something called Praise and Prayer. You know, Dennis and some of the other pastors in the region, we've been meeting and talking. And um, the first night, so Praise and Prayer is just like... Um, you know, Dennis has always encouraged me about the house of prayer ever since we first met. He said, hey, bro, what do you think about house of prayer? And I was like, I don't really like house of prayer. I just want to go evangelize. Like, I, I had a very different, like, like giftings and, like, wirings as him. And uh, we started uh, praise and prayer every day. And I just want to share something that happened to me the first night. First night I was there, I was in the front, and it was two hours of just worship. You know why? So our praise and prayer, this is what I told our team. Look. The worship leaders, all you're going to do is adore Jesus. You're just going to sing to him. You're not going to care if someone doesn't sing with you. You're not going to care if people are not singing with you. But you just sing to Jesus and let's do heavenly worship. Let's adore him. Let's play music to him. And let's just forget about whoever's in the room, yada, 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 yada. It was the first night I went when we started three weeks ago. I was in the room. And I was just singing. And that's what I, as I was singing to God, God was like, I love this. I literally felt God speak to me. Like, it was as inner audible as I've ever got. It was a God was like, son, I love that you're singing to me. And I was like, oh, God. Yeah, and I was so happy that, you know, you know, one of the best feelings is knowing that you're doing what God wants, you know. And I was just singing to God, and I was praising him. And like, about 20 minutes in, God was like, I am so happy that you're singing to me, son. So I just kept singing, and I didn't care who was in the room. I'm sure people were, like, looking at me weird, but I was ah, singing it off key when I was singing to God. And I just felt his delight all over me. And then right about the hour mark after they read the scripture, and this happened the first night I was there, that God just renewed my spirit. As I was singing to God, I remember when I didn't know him. I just remember, I was like, God, there was a time I couldn't sing to you. And I was like, God, there was a time I never sang to you. And I was like, God, there was a time I didn't know you. And as I was just praying in that room and I was saying, Jesus, I love you. I was like, Jesus, I thank you, God, that you saved me, God. I thank you, God. I didn't preach. I didn't lead nothing. But I felt God was so happy with me. Because the only goal was to worship him and to thank Jesus for what he's done. 
And today as I close, I just want to do a commissioning. If you've done it before and it's been a while or if you haven't, you're going to say, I want to be a worshiper. Every time I come to worship, I'm actually going to worship. Like, like make a vow like that. Like, like I'm not going to text. I mean, obviously there's times you could be worshiping, not fully engaged. But I'm not going I'm, I'm I'm to worship him anytime we come together to worship. And one last story, I'm going to end this. When I came to this church, like, you know, we used to sing hymns with uh, 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 the former senior pastor called Pastor Kim. Okay, who likes hymns, especially if they're in Korean? Nobody, okay, so we're singing hymns, right? It's a hallelujah, hallelujah, and I was like, hallelujah. But here's the thing, the first, like, six months I was here, every time we did it, I did it. Like, I was like, I'm going to sing this Korean song and get my inheritance and my heritage, you know, like, even though I don't understand what I'm saying, I'm going to sing it. And I remember, like, a year in, we'll be in these meetings and we'll be singing, and I was just singing. One day I remember we're in there and I was just singing and all of a sudden I forget God was like, You're becoming so religious. Even in settings like this, posture your heart to really worship me. And I just remember, and I'm, and I'm still on that journey, y'all. I'm with you right there. There are times, you know, I can't, but I'm just, I'm just, that's the spirit that we want. Amen. Um, let's do this. If if you're saying, I want to be a worshiper and I want to pattern after what heaven looks like, that God loves worship, so I'm going to worship him. He made worship as the closest in proximity to him. Worship is going to be all about God. It's, it's entirely focused, entirely focused on God. And I'm going to worship Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And you say, I'm gonna, I want to vow to fight for that. doesn't mean you're a singer, but I, I want that, Lord. And I want that impartation, Lord. Would you just stand to your feet? That's you. And I just want you to close your eyes and just lift your hands towards heaven right now. And I want you to forget that you're next to somebody. And I want you to forget that you're even at this church. And I want you to imagine that God is standing right in front of you. And I want you to begin to tell him that you love him and that you want to worship him. Right now, just start telling him. Just start telling him. Just start telling him. From your heart, just tell him. Just start telling him, Lord, I want to be a worshiper. I want my life to be anchored and entirely focused on you. Come on, just begin to tell me. Just begin to tell him. Keep engaging, keep engaging, keep get lost in his presence right now. I want you to get lost in his presence. It's not even what you say. Some of you right now, you might not even want to say anything. Your heart is just longing for him. Like David said, one thing have I asked of the Lord. That shall I seek after all the days of my life. 
to dwell in his temple and to gaze upon his beauty and to inquire of his, there you go, just begin to let your heart yearn for him. Tell him, tell him, tell him right now. Tell him right now that you love him and that's it. There's nothing else you want more from him. You just want to love him and you want to thank him for what he's done on that cross. You want to thank him for Jesus being crucified on your behalf. You want to sing to him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever for who he is and what he's done. And don't worry about anyone next to you. Don't worry about anything in the past and just say, God, I love you. 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 There you go. As you begin to speak, the Holy Spirit's going to infuse an anointing on you today. He's going to infuse an anointing on you to worship him, to adore him, and to sing to him. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Holy Spirit, we adore you today, God. Jesus, we adore you today, God. We love you today. Worshippers, God. Raise up worshipers, God. Raise up true worshipers that will look to you and sing to you and worship you. 